Okay, I, I'm going to ask you to engage right out of the gates this morning. You're going to have to use your mind. We're going to do some math, okay? All right, so everybody, I want you to think about when you were saved. Recall the year in which you were saved and do the math of the year it is right now. Um, and, and when I talk about when you were saved, I'm talking about when you were active and following. I know many of our testimonies are, you know, that, you know, when you were five or six years old, you accepted the Lord and but then you didn't really live for the Lord in college. You recommitted your life and started living for him. I, I probably would go from that college time until now, uh, you know, just for the purpose of this quick survey I'm going to take. So, so get it firmly in your mind. Have you done the math? Okay. You can do it at home as well. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hands here. Um, how many of you have been saved for five years or fewer? So recent convert, okay? All right. Okay, we got a few here. Good. Our kids are taken out of here, so we would have a lot of them. How about 10 years or fewer? Okay, we've got a few more here. Yep, a couple. All right. How about 20 years or fewer? Start getting more hands. All right, about a third of the kind. 40 years. 40 years or fewer? 50 years or fewer? Now we're going to get some people. How about 60 years? Anyone have been saved? 60 years or fewer? Okay, we got quite a few here. And I want you to think about in all those years, whether it's five years that you've been saved, or whether it's 60 years that you've been walking with the Lord. In all of those years of being a child of God, would you all attest to having a lot of ups and downs in your relationship with the Lord? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you know there's times that we have real zeal. We have a real passion and eagerness. We're just excited about what God is doing and, and our relationship with him. And then let's be honest. There are times we go through the desert. We go through struggles. Dry. We feel like we're going through the motions. I'm not saying we walked away from the Lord or anything along those lines, but, it, you know, we just, we're, we're kind of in cruise control there. Well, this morning, I want to talk about reviving our hearts. That's what I want to focus on this morning. You know, reviving our walk, refresh, refreshing our spiritual hearts with the Lord. It's important for us to do. God in his word even calls us to do this. He understands those, those ups and downs on this side of eternity. And Isaiah chapter 40 verse 30 says this. He says, though youth grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly. I mean, there's an insinuation of weariness and a tiredness. Psalm 23 verse 3 says, he restores, God restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, he wouldn't restore your soul unless your soul needed restoring because we have down times. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore do not lose heart, but though the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. 2 Timothy 1.6 For this reason I remind you to rekindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You know, that need to just go back and, you know, get a freshness to your service and, and to your walk and to what you're doing with the Lord. So my focus this morning, my focus is not going to be on what we do for the Lord. Um, I'm not going to be talking to you about more service, you know, or how to develop your spiritual gifts. And there's not going to be a plea to become more active in a ministry of the church. What I very simply want to do is I want to, I want to help us focus on our relationship with God. What do you do 
when you are in a spiritual rut? What do you do when you're just, you know, spiritual doldrums? When you find yourself, you know, still going to church, you know, maybe even still reading your Bible, still praying, but you're, you, you really are just going through the motions. See, this morning, I want to I focus on your personal one-on-one time with God. And, and people may talk about it as your devotional time, whatever it might be. But just, just that personal time that you have with God. Now, at a high risk of opening up a can of worms in my home, I want to use my marriage as an illustration here to get a point across. Okay? (laughs) If we aren't careful, Martha and I can very easily slip into our relationship just being about our life together. You know, I'm taught what I mean is that, you know, getting groceries and, and paying bills and fixing things around the house and, you know, the kids and the grandkids and working on the yard and working on the house and it's easy for us to slip into that. Matter of fact, a kind of a running joke that we have is that it wouldn't be a date unless we stopped at Lowe's or Menards, you know. No matter when we're out there, you know, it, that we always got to end the date, you know, that, that's it. Uh, and, and I want to say, you know, married life is important. All those things are important. You know, there's value and there's depth that is given in all of those everyday mundane things that we do together. But there is also a need to just be us. For us not to be parents, not to be grandparents, for me not to be a pastor, but just to be a husband and a wife. And honestly, the wilder our life becomes, the greater the need is to reconnect. Well, it's the exact same way with God. I mean, our everyday Christian lives, they call us to serve and call us to get involved. I mean, we're to be praying for one another. We have meetings that we go into and planning and and work projects. But if we are not careful, our faith will become what we're doing. And that's how we're connecting with God in what we are doing. But then something happens maybe in our doing. Maybe we're unappreciated. Or we do something and somebody says something that offends us. Or we just get burned out from doing and doing and doing. And at that moment, we lose that vital connection with God, if that's what our relationship with God is, if it's in our doing. There is depth, once again, there is value in all that doing for God. I'm not knocking that at all. But there's also a need for us just to be a child of God, to not be the pastor, to not be the elder or a deacon or a trustee or a Sunday school teacher or ABF teacher or or treasurer or, you know, you know, volunteering on a work project, for us just to be, it to be Jesus and me and about my walk and my connection with him. So what we're going to do is over the next two weeks, I want to highlight just that pure relationship, and I want to give you some direction to maybe help you refocus that, refocus that connection, refocus, you know, that, that commitment, you know, in that relationship to him. It's important that we do that. Psalm 46.10 says this, Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Some of your translations might be, say, be still and just know that I am God. And that, that, that's kind of the direction we're going to be going here. 
Psalm 63, 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. When we get to that place, that the only thing that will quench us, the only thing that will make a difference is Jesus and me. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about strengthening that point of connection. And, And what do we do when we've kind of lost it, we've strayed from it? How do we get back? What are some steps that we can take. So let me, let me give you another illustration. Let me, let me um, give it to you like this. Um, and I've shared this before here. Um, there, there's a big difference between going to a fast food restaurant and going to a, a fancy sit-down restaurant, isn't there? A big difference. I mean, you go to a fast food restaurant, what do you do? You drive up to the window, you yell into the mic, you pull forward, you give them the money, they hand you a bag of food, and off you go. And that's about as good as it gets, you know? You know, you got hamburgers, you've got chicken or tacos and some variation of, of those combinations. Um, even if you go inside a fast food restaurant, the whole atmosphere is different. You know, totally different than a nice, fancy sit-down restaurant. I mean, everything in a fast food restaurant, it's, it's vinyl or plastic, uh, you know, so at the end of the day, they can just hose it down, I guess, you know. Uh, they have newspapers sitting out in the booths, you know, there's a kid's playland. Lots of distractions, you know, uh, you know, that are calling for your attention when you're in a fast food restaurant. But when you go down to a sit-down restaurant, the pace is a lot slower, isn't it? I mean, for one thing, you've got carpeting, and you have real silverware, you know. You, you take time to look over the menu, you know, a lot longer than, you know, looking up at the board as you're standing in front of a counter. You take time and you read you know what's there, you visit, you talk with one another. The food is different, it's balanced. It often comes in courses, you know, not just all given to you at one time. And so you eat a little bit slower and, and usually spend you know, a good amount of time, 45 minutes, hour and a half, depending on how fast you, you eat or where you need to get going. But it's just so much slower to go to a nice restaurant. Well, let me ask you, have you ever really sat down and had a fancy meal with God. You know, ate at the banquet that God has for you. It is so easy with the hectic pace of our life, it's so easy for us to just fast food God, to pull up to the window, to yell inside, to get a little bit, and off we go. It's easy for that to be our relationship. And I want to take us, over the next couple of weeks, I want to take us to the banquet table of God. And over the next few weeks, I want to show you you know, how we can, you know, have that connection with God. Um, I'm going to give you 10 things. And again, many of these things um, were shared with me at a, at a conference I attended years ago by John Maxwell and kind of adapting a number of these things uh, for this message. Um, but I want you to think about these 10 things, again, like a, a fancy meal. Think about a 10-course meal that you're going to be given. You know, each of them building off one another. Each is important you know, as, you, as you, you go through this meal. And I encourage you to take your bulletins out. On the very back, there's a place for you to put notes. There's a lot of numbers there. There's a lot of things for you to fill in. I encourage you to do that. But after next week, I am going to have a regular outline sheet. It's going to have all of these 10 things listed for you. So it's something that you could keep in your Bible, that when you kind of look at your life and you look at your relationship with God and you're thinking, man, I, I, I just need to revive it here. You know, you can look at these things and be reminded of these things. Okay? With all that being said, let me, let me very sorry, we're going to look at the first three today. 
and we're going to kind of flesh them out for you here. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about in, in reconnecting with God is I want to talk about having a preparation time. When you're going to come to meet with God, you know, you really need to prepare for it. And you really need to settle in and focus on God. You know, there's a beautiful course we sing. You know, it goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what we're talking about here, of preparing to meet with the almighty God, your creator, your savior, to look into his wonderful face. To, to block out all these things and cares and concerns that you have and, and to just focus on God the Father, on Jesus Christ. What we're trying to do here in this time of preparation is get our mindset on God, get a real God mindset. Not, not again to fit it in, not to check it off the list of what I need to do today, but to just have time with God. Um, so let's talk about that for, for, for just a little bit here. Um, I mean, in your life... Everything can kind of sort of all mesh together, even your faith. You've got work, you've got family, you've got God, you've got kids, you've got recreation, you've got all sorts of problems that you're dealing with, and, and God is involved in every single one of those things. But often, he's missed because it's just kind of all bunched together. And what we're trying to do in this time when we first come to God, we're trying to focus on God, we're trying to separate these things, to focus on God and begin to see him, see Begin to see him in your family. Begin to see him in, you know, in the body of Christ and your other relationship that you have with believers. Begin to see God at work. You know, see him in your family. See him you know, guiding and directing your life and, and putting that focus on him. Sometimes because we're so busy living, we, we, we fail to see him. doesn't mean it's not happening, but it, it's just not being observed by us, and, and therefore it's not building that relationship. Um, I'm going to talk about some resources that will enhance your preparation time. Uh, but before I do, there's one key that you must have during this time. When you come and we talk about being prepared to meet God, there's one thing that, that you have to have, and that's the right attitude. You need to come at this moment to declare your intentions to obey God. God, I am here to obey you. I am here to, to do what you ask me to do, God. And right from the beginning, you need to declare that. You need to have that attitude. Because let's be honest, sometimes, you know, we spend time with God and, and we spend that whole time trying to negotiate with God. You know, we do battle with God. We draw lines. You know, we declare our rights and God do this. And even our prayers are dictating to God what to do. Well, from the very outset, we need to say, God, I don't know what you're going to, to happen in this time together, but whatever it is, I'm going to obey. That's why I'm here. You know, I'm not here, you know, for you just to, to, to waste your breath on me. I'm here to obey. Uh, think of it. Can you, can you imagine what would happen with the parents here if your children came to you with that attitude? You know, first of all, you'd die of a heart attack, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if they had that attitude. Um, but it just came with pure obedience. You know, nothing else, no, no agenda, just, you know, to, to come and to be in your presence. So let's talk about that, uh, that, you know, having that attitude right from the outskirts. Here are some things under some preparation points that I want to give you. Number one, when, when, whenever you're dry 
and you're coming to kind of try to rekindle that, one of the first things I would encourage you to do is when you, when you pull off to have some time with God, bring, bring some resources. You know, first and foremost, obviously, bring the Bible. You know, possibly even a different translation of the Bible that you normally would read in. And I'm not trying to get you to change translations. I don't want to get into all of that. But find a, another good translation. Sometimes reading the same thing but just hearing it a little bit different. I thought about that this morning when I was looking over my notes. Isn't that what I do up here? You know, I take the word of God and, and then I, I give it to you, maybe in, in you know, ways to help us understand it in that. And, and so that's what, you know, a different translation can do. Make sure it's a good translation, but that can help you to do that. Maybe, you know, just so that we don't just go in cruise control as we're, we're reading, but that we can focus because we're noticing things different. So bring a Bible. Um, I'd encourage you to bring a notebook if you're a note taker. Um, there's something about writing things down that enhance it. Um, and I got to tell you that, I mean, when I do the notes for my messages, I mean, that's what makes it stick with me. I mean, it go just a little bit farther versus thinking it, but then to, to, to put it down on paper. Um, also, under preparation, you know, again, we're going to try to get in a closeness with God. Worship's going to be important. So maybe get a hymnal, get a course book, you know, Music communicates. That's why we have the worship that helps prepare our hearts and, and helps us to kind of, you know, layer by layer take off so that it's just you and God by the time we get to, to the word of God, you know. And, and, and worship will help you include your emotions, not just your head, um, but, but get your emotions connected with this time with God. And encourage you some things. Bring a church directory, you know, as you're going to be thinking about God's people and what God's doing in our lives or our missionary directory. Think about God, what God is doing, you know, through our missionaries. It's all, those things are all important. So bring resources. Second thing under preparation, I want to encourage you to be yourself. When you come to God, be yourself. Don't try to approach God in a phony spiritual tone. I mean, why would you? I mean, you know, sometimes I hear people pray and, you know, suddenly they're thus saith the Lord and, we asketh you, Lord. You know, who talks like that? I mean, unless you talk like that in everyday life, don't talk to God like that. He doesn't want that. You know, he wants you to talk normal. You know, talk to God like you, you, you would talk to anyone else. And, and our voice doesn't have to lower to talk to him. You know, why is it that we think God is a base? I don't know, you know. The, the whole point is when we come to God here, we need to be genuine. And, and you need to be yourself. And we're going to see why that's so important here in a minute here. Uh, when you come to God, the first thing you need to focus on is being obedient. And then you need to focus on being authentic. And, and if you can do that, you're going, to, you're going to have an awesome time with God. But if we come to God and we're, we're putting on a facade, you know, we're putting on masks, we're trying to hide things, we're holding back, you, you're, just going to, you're just going to do battle with God. You're not going to get anywhere. So those things are important. Number, third, number three under uh, preparation. Make sure when you're, you're, you're pulling away to have a time with God, get in a, a, a safe, secure place, you know, a comfortable setting, one in which you can move around without worrying about being interrupted or people coming in. And, and I don't know what that's going to mean for you. It might mean taking a walk. It might mean driving to a park. And again, we're not talking about this everyday devotion. We're talking about, you know, what I do to, to I spiritually kickstart my relationship with God. And so we're, we're not going to be able to do this every day. 
But if we're really serious about our walk with Lord, you know, we'll invest the time that it takes to, you know, if, if, you, if you have trouble having devotions at home because of the kids and the craziness and the being interrupted, um, you might have to schedule that time to leave and to go away. Go sit out in the car, you know, have your wife or have your husband, you know, take care of things. Let them know you're going to be gone for a while. You know, what you're going to be doing, I, I guarantee they're going to be supportive of it. You know, when you, you and your relationship with the Lord. So you need to get in a safe place. Um, number four, um, you know, part of our relationship with God is talking with God. And one of the things I would encourage you, obviously we're going to be praying, but I would also encourage you to pray out loud. Um, let's be real honest here. Um, I'm not going to get a show of hands here, but I would guess everybody has had the experience where you have been praying for an extended period of time and your mind has wandered off. In some direction, you're thinking about something. You know, this, this happens to me often. You know, a perfect example of it here. You know, we've been praying for, for Gene Carroll. You know, he broke his arm. We've been praying for him. And, and I'll sit in my office and I'll be praying for Gene. And, and as I'm praying for Gene, I suddenly remember that Gene has asked me if I could get a group of men together to put a deck out on the front of his house. And so the next thing I know, I'm thinking, of, okay, what materials do I need to get for the deck? And what do I need, you know? I'm not praying anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm problem solving and, and moving forward. But don't you find your mind doing that sometimes when you're praying? You, you, you know, you, you think of something concerning a person, you're off. So when you pray out loud, you're not going to do that. You know, you're praying out loud, you're more communicating with God. So I'd encourage you to pray out loud. Number five under preparation is don't, don't come planning on doing all the talking. Right? It's easy to, to, the, for us to, to drive the car here. Um, leave plenty of time for listening. In spending time with God, you only have one agenda, and that's to get with God. And, 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 and hearing him speak is part of that. And it's that simple. It's, it's not getting, about getting things done. It's not about going through an outline and the checkpoints, but it's about getting with God. And part of that is going to be learning how to listen and, and let God speak to you, okay? That will bring us to the second point, okay? The second point. First one is, is our preparation. The second point deals with waiting on God, waiting on God. And that's why time is so important. That's why we can't fast food God, that, that God, you've got this seven minutes here, you know, whatever you need, let me know. But after that, I'm off to something else. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Those who wait for the Lord. You know, there's a quietness there. There's a great strength in just waiting on God. You know, not rushing through, but waiting on God. And, and this is the strengthening part of our time with God. You know, the... It says, yet those who wait for the Lord there, you know, will renew strength. They will run. You know, they will not grow weary. Um, so it's important to learn how to wait and just be still. Think about in the Old Testament, uh, King Saul. King Saul couldn't wait. Remember, he was doing battle once. And he was told before he goes into battle that he was supposed to wait for Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice before they went into battle. And Samuel waited and he waited and God just wasn't on Samuel's time frame. He waited as long as Samuel thought he should wait 
And then Samuel went and offered the sacrifice, or not Samuel, excuse me, Saul went and offered the sacrifice himself. Well, it was God's intent all along to fight the battle, that Israel wasn't even going to have to fight it. But because they didn't wait, Saul offered the sacrifices, they found defeat in the battle just because they didn't learn to wait on God. Waiting on the Lord, it's not something that is passive. It's not just about, you know, sitting here, well, I got nothing to do, you know, waiting God to, you know, hit you over the head with a two by four. You know, the Hebrew word denotes an intensity for wait. You know, waiting with anticipation. That's why if you go back to that Isaiah 40, 31, where it says, yet those who wait for the Lord, some translations say, yet those who hope in the Lord. You know, it gives that, that, that true sense in the Hebrew of, of hoping, of an anticipation. You know, those who come to God with anticipation that God is going to do something. He wants to do something in your life. You know, say, well, what do you do during this waiting time? Well, one of the things you can do is let God love you. Just let God love you. You know, you have worth and value. Each and every one of us has worth and value because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let your mind think about that. It doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks about you. God loves you. And let God do that. Sometimes it's hard, but let God love you. Let him build up your spiritual esteem. I mean, remind yourself that because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, because you've given your heart and your life to him, that God gives you grace. He gives you forgiveness. You're a child of the king. Remind yourself of all that, who you are in Jesus Christ. I mean, literally, you can mentally crawl up on the lap of God and, and, and just be reminded that all the things that we have in Jesus Christ. So let God love you. Second thing you can do is let God search you. Let him search you. And, and this point is important. You need to allow God to search you. you. Excuse me, you'll not allow God to search you until you know that he loves you. Okay, you, you won't allow him to search you unless you know that he loves you and he cares for you and he has his best for you. And the more and more we, we know that God loves us, the more and more we can open up to him because we know he has our best interest in mind. I mean, we know all that he gave for us. We know who we are to him. We know what our future is with him. And so we can begin to open up our heart to him. So when you say, God, search me, you're confessing that you may... Not even know your own heart, but God knows your heart. So God, search me. Psalm 39, verse 23, or 139, verse 2 and 3, excuse me. It says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. So really what you're doing when you're you know, letting God search you, you're really saying that you want to see your life like God sees it. God, search me. I want, I want to see, you know, what you see. I want to see my life through your eyes. You know, and we can do this when you know that God loves us and that, you know, if he reveals some things that we maybe don't like about ourselves, you know, that, that he's not doing it out of spite or jealousy or anger or hatred or retribution for us. We know that he's doing it because he loves us and he wants to restore us. So we're going to let God love you, let God search you. Third thing, we're going to let God show you. Let God show you. God, what do you have planned for me today? What do you have for me this week? 
you know, what's in store for me? You know, James 1.5 says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I mean, honestly, we all have a lot of decisions to make every single day in our lives. I mean, we have a lot going on. You know, we want God involved in those decisions. So we want to go to God. God, you know, show yourself in my week. You know, show where, where you want me to go differently in my week. This is inviting God into your life. And when you do that, when you genuinely invite God into your life, he'll be there. If we listen, he'll give us the wisdom. He says he gives to all men generously. He's not trying to withhold it. If we really want it, God will give us that wisdom. Okay, number three. Third thing that we need to do in, again, reviving that relationship with God. Number three is confession time. Confession time. We talk about this often. How unconfessed sin is a roadblock to answered prayer. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 It says, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Boy, memorize that verse. That's an important verse. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever renounces them will find mercy. See, when when I confess my sin, there, there are sins that, you know, that are just weighing us down. Life is just weighing us down. There's sins that weigh us down and there's sins that make you feel guilty. And I want to talk about the difference between those two sins here. I want to talk about sins that make you feel guilty. Okay? If you have confessed a sin, if there's something that you have done in your life, in your past, and if you have confessed it as sin to God, and you've forsaken that sin, If it keeps coming up in your life, in your time alone with God, then it is not the Spirit of God that is bringing it up. Make that very clear. If you have confessed, if you have repented, forsaken that sin, if it is constantly coming up when you get your mind quiet and it's, it's all getting beat up because of what maybe you have done something in your past, that's not God. He is not doing that. That is Satan. Satan wants you to feel guilt. Satan wants you to be frozen in your relationship with God. We're reminded in Revelations chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, he says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb because of the word of their testimony. I mean, we have an adversary who is constantly throwing up our sins before God, before us. But they are defeated by the blood of the Lamb. He has forgiven those. And God doesn't. He says he separates them as far as the east is from the west. He is not going to bring those sins up. So no matter what it is that we have done, if we have forsaken it, we have confessed it to God. And if it keeps coming up, you need to deal with it as coming from Satan your enemy, not as coming from God. God tells us in Psalm 105, or excuse me, 103, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget, not, forget none of his benefits, 
who pardons all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That is God's relationship with you concerning sin. When we confess it, when we forsake it. And honestly, I, I, I belabor this point here because some of you are frozen in your relationship with God because you can't get past a sin that you committed in your life. You feel that you committed in your life in the past. And every try, time you try to be with God, every time you try to get closer with God, you hit this roadblock. I mean, it can be a broken marriage, it can be an immoral act or something that you have done in your past, but, but you're, you're listening to Satan. And he, is, and he is stalling you in your walk in your relationship with, him, with, with, with Jesus because of that. And it's important. It's important that we identify where this accusation is coming from. One of the essentials in a person who is maturing in Christ is their faith and ability to accept God's forgiveness. Matter of fact, it's so interesting. I look at, at the Bible. If I think of, of all the you know, men and women in Scripture, and so many of them, almost all of them, had a great sin in their life, at least one. I mean, rare is the one who you know, didn't have some huge fall in their life. And the measuring rod of their spirituality wasn't their perfection, but it was in their ability to accept God's forgiveness of what they have done. I mean, we think about David, you know, the man after God's own heart. We know of his sin with Bathsheba and, and ordering vet, uh, events so that her husband Uriah would be killed. How do you go on from that? How do you go on when God confronts you with that sin and now you know, you're looking at the reality of what you have done? How do you do that? How do you go on? But he says in Psalm 51 verse 7, David writes, Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David's greatness wasn't in his perfection. David's greatness was in his God and accepting God's forgiveness of his life. You think about Abraham. You know, the father of the nation Israel. You know, life filled with jealousy and lying and, and, and insecurities. But God raised him up, you know, to be start of his people. You have Moses who out in the wilderness becomes angry with God's people and his pride, you know, stirs up and he, he strikes the rock. You think about Peter. Peter was compulsive. He was aggressive. You know, he... He, he denied the Lord three times at the most crucial time, you know, of what Christ was going through. But God raised him up as a pillar of Christianity. Why? Not because of his goodness, but because Peter understood and he took God at his word. And Peter writes later, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, that wasn't just a theology in Peter's life. That was a reality in his life. That when we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us our sins. And he cleanses us. And we need to, to learn to accept that cleansing. Not because we deserve it, 
but because God has given it to us. So those are sins, you know, that kind of keep coming back in our life. But, but there's also different sins in our lives. Uh, there's also sins that weigh on you. And these are sins in your life and in my life that we're still holding on to, and they have a hold on us. I think that's the sin that's spoken of in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There, there's some that we have sin going on in our life right now, and it's entangling us. And it's, it's a weight. It's encumbering us. It's slowing us down in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. That's the sin. When we come to God and we say we need to have a time of confessing and openness before God, that's the sin we're talking about. We're not talking about the sin that God's already forgiven. We're not talking about something that happened five years ago in your life that you've already you know, forsaken and you've moved on. You know, those aren't the sins where you know, keep re rehashing that over and over. But he's talking about the sins that we confess, the things that are slowing us down in our relationship with the Lord. You know, we need to keep confessing those sins every time we commit it until we're forsaking it, until it's out of our lives. That's what he wants us to do. Okay, I want to make a few comments, and again, and I'm belaboring this point because this is important. I want to make a few comments about confession, and then we're going to kind of wrap this up, and then we'll, we'll finish up the, uh, later on uh, next week. Um, concerning sin, one thing I want to encourage you when we talk about confession is to confess sin immediately. The moment it comes into your mind that you have sinned, as soon as you realize it, confess it. Deal with it. Don't wait until Sunday morning to com comes around to confess it. Don't even wait until, you know, tomorrow in your devotions and you finally get the time you can sit down and confess it. You know, deal with it immediately. Your time of confession, um, it, 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 it's there to help relieve you at that moment, right then. God doesn't say there's only certain times to confess. You know, we boldly go into the throne to receive grace and mercy in the time of need. So whenever we, we sin, that is the moment. When it comes to our mind that, you know, I was wrong, that attitude that I had or maybe the, those words that I spoke or that action that I just took, as soon as it comes to my mind that, you know, that was wrong, that was my pride, that was my jealousy, that was just my sin nature, that was just pure nastiness on my part. Confess it. Confess it right then and there. Number two, no one is beyond the need to confess. There is no one who does not need to confess. I love the quote by Philip Yancey. He once said, there are two types of people, not guilty and righteous, but the two types of people are those who admit guilt and those who don't admit they're guilty. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And Christ made this clear. I mean, he made it very clear that we all need to deal with sin because we all sin. Remember the, the woman caught in adultery when all the, the religious, you know, upper crust, they brought this woman to Christ and, and tried to trap him by saying, hey, you know, the law says that we should stone her. Remember when he said, he said, well, you who are without sin cast the first stone. And, and not a single one could do it because they've all sinned. Christ erased the line between guilty and those who will not admit their guilt. Those are, those are the only lines that we have here. Excuse me. That's, that's the only line. He says, all have sinned. 
Everyone have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I bring this up because if you are not regularly confessing sin in your life, I want you to think about it. When was the last time you confessed sin? If you're not doing this, then your life is being hindered in your walk with Christ. Because I want to ask you, if you're not confessing your sin, then what's being done with it? What's happening with it? Does time take care of your sin? No, the blood of Jesus Christ washes our sins. And that's why we need to confess it. That's why, well, it happened so long ago, you know, we're on to something. No. Confession is important. You know, and if we don't confess it, it becomes that sin that so easily entangles us and it becomes an encumbrance in our life. Okay, so we need to confess it immediately. Understand that everyone needs to confess sin. The third thing I want to point out to you is God is never surprised by what you do. God is never surprised by your sin. And even the depth of your sin. So we need to be honest with God. That's sometimes the hardest thing for us to do. I mean, kind of let's, folks, God knows already. We are not informing God. You know, sometimes you don't confess sin because we don't want God, you know, we think we, we don't want God to know about it. Or we don't want to hurt God's feelings. Or, you know, we're so ashamed by what we've done. We've done. Well, you know, it's not like God doesn't already know it. I mean, do you think that you ever confessed a sin to God and God said, when did that happen? You know, I never saw that. God knows everything. God knows the number of the hairs on your head. You know, so, so just, again, with that open and honesty with him, you know, God's not going to be surprised. Um, remember in, in John chapter 16, when Christ was about to, to start down the road that would lead to the crucifixion, he told his disciples in advance that every single one of them would forsake him. He said, you're all going to deny me. You know, there's coming a time very soon, you're all going to deny me. None of them, no, 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 no. I asked myself the question, why did he tell them that? Why did he tell them that I know you guys are going to deny me? I think he told them that so, you know, he knew that he still loved them. I mean, God isn't surprised by our sin. Our sin doesn't derail our relationship with God. It may... You know, it, it may hinder it, but as far as being a child of his, being cleansed by his blood, by my standingness, it doesn't stop that or change that. You know, it's very important for my, my, my relationship with him to renew within us that, that, that we confess our sin. But don't ever think that God checks himself into a trauma unit to get over some shock of sin that you have committed in your life. Folks, he's right there to help us. He's right there to pick us up. Begin walking again with him. Amen? Amen. Isn't that the truth? You know, never forget this in, his life, in your life. Your sin does not shock God. Number four, God will always tell us when we have done something wrong, when we're open and authentic with him. You know, don't, you don't have to go searching for your wrong. If you are open and honest to say, search me, know me, God, if you are open with him, God will reveal it to you. You know, he, he wants to. You know, he, he wants to restore you. God's not going to keep it with you as long as you're open and honest. And then the final thing concerning sin, if sin is tolerated, it will increase. If you don't confess your sin, it will gain a foothold in your life and it will suck you down. We need to confess sin. Okay, I'm going to stop there. And we're going to take the remaining seven next week.
But again, let me just real quickly summarize. Number one, this is all about focusing on our relationship, not on our academics, not focusing on knowing more about God, knowing more theology about God. This is all about focusing on a relationship with him. So we need to be authentic. We need to be genuine. We need to develop a God mindset that begin to see God in our lives. We need to come to God declaring our obedience. God, I, I want to be obedient. I want to be closer to you. We need to bring resources that will help us, whatever it is. You know, the, those things I talked to you about, the Bible and notebook and chorus book, whatever it might be, those are just suggestions to help you. Whatever it is that would help you to focus, bring those things. Find a safe, comfortable place that you won't be erupted, interrupted to spend time with God. Come to God ready to talk, but also come to God ready to listen. I mean, let God just love you. Let God search you. And this is all, this is all these three points, these are all preparatory. You know, they help to prepare us before God. And once you get there, then we're really ready to get down to business. That's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to be talking about, you know, what, what do we do at that point when we're ready that, to really listen and, and to hear God. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Father, most of all, in, in looking over all of these points, I am so taken aback and awed of the relationship that you want to have with me and with everybody here. That personal relationship. That God Almighty would care about me. That would die for me. That would restore me. That would lift me up and give me hope. And Father, I confess to you there are times in my life that I do not feel that. That doesn't make it true or not, but Father, this is all about us getting back to that sense and awareness and living within that truth of who we are to you. So help us, even in these simple points that we have given. Father, I pray that we will take what we need to to enhance our relationship with you. Thank you, Father. In thy name we pray.